Hey there, folks. Once again, what a difference a week makes. Episode number 94 of the Uticast, and today we welcome on longtime GFOP Matt Lameo to discuss playing at this upcoming Utica Day. Uh, plus, Heather is back from uh, her flu quarantine to help us discuss artificial intelligence, tuition-free college, uh, the world's weirdest Pepsi ad, uh, history lessons, uh, space volunteers, and much, much more. Episode 94, we are happy that you're here. weather that's going on in the studio right now. It is a it is a wonderful 78 degrees. Okay. You can hear birds chirping right now. You can hear them chirping in the studio. <laughs> I know. It's great, isn't it? Um, and I don't think that it will stay this nice for the rest of the week. It's supposed to get colder and then not quite as nice next weekend. But man, oh man, <laughs> what a difference a week makes. I'm really enjoying this 78 degrees. Um, so much so that, uh, Heather, you're sitting in for the, we didn't, we didn't do a separate me and Kevin segment this week. Okay. Brought you in for the intro. All right. Yeah, so Heather's here, Kevin's here. Uh, Kevin, I'm going to check in with you first. You were feeling the worst of everybody last week. Yes. How do you feel this week in comparison? Not as bad as last week, but I'm still yeah. not great. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I just mm. want to give you a hug. You Move can. Across the table. You, <laughs> you tired. Spread the germs here. I'm no, I'm good. Tired. Thanks. I'll stay here. <laughs> it was, uh, it was and I don't mean to harp on it, but it really was, I felt really bad for you. I really did. Like, you, yeah, you were man, struggling. Being sick sucks. It's the worst. And it's... It's crummy too because like, all right, and you've probably had this scenario with me sometimes where I get sick. I get sick more than most people. I, I get sick pretty regularly. Um, whenever it's like you get sick with somebody, it's like how many times can you say God bless you or salute or when someone's coughing? After yeah, a while, I don't say shit to anybody. It's, yeah, because I hate when people say like <laughs> that's that's one of the worst. You yeah. know, the worst part about being sick has been that's all anybody wants to talk about is yeah. how sick are you? Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel? Where are you? Are you sick? How do you? Hmm. Leave me the hell alone. Mm, yeah, that's what I want when yeah. I'm sick. I want to be left alone. Mm. And that's all fine and well. Like I, I've done my best to try and leave you to your own devices for most of the week, the best mm. I can for living in a, you know, an apartment together, right? I mean, like you can only we only have so much we can sure. ignore each other. The problem is we have a lot of transients in our apartment. <laughs> like to come in and I've just... been ignoring the chance. <laughs> Anytime him. anybody comes in, I just go to my room and I'm not like polite. I'm not like, hey, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go room, shut the door. I do not care. <laughs> you don't want to be my friend because I didn't want to hang out with you when I was sick. Probably not somebody I want to be friends with anyway. Um, so, Heather, you did not have the flu this week, no, thankfully. No. Lucky for you. But no. you, uh, we, we kept you out of the studio last week. Yeah. It was a smart move. Yeah. Um, how's uh, how's the world of motherhood treating you this it's, week? It's good. Kaz isn't sleeping, so I'm not sleeping. Yeah, you seem so uh, stressed cool. out about it a little bit. I'm worried. just, well, it, you, it, when you go to bed at night, you never know what time you're going to wake up at. So you go to bed with the intentions of, I hope he sleeps the whole night. But he's not. So, and then he didn't want to nap today, so it was enough. He's been up since 4.30. You're the, as the person who have the most basis about this, how, how long do you have left of this? Of, of the like, sleep thing? Of like kids not sleeping at normal um, showers? Probably another year. They so say usually year. they say their first two years. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be longer than I that. do too. <laughs> I feel it, like my nieces and nephews never sleep. I don't, I don't think, I haven't slept in the night really in over about a year. A year. Mm. That's wild. It's awful. For the first nine months I slept three to four hours a night. Oh my God. And that was good. 
I read somewhere this week, and I don't know how true this is, that it's not, like, the amount of time you sleep you get, like, per week. Like, oh, I almost got three hours sleep last night. But sleep is kind of cumulative. Like, you should always try and get extra sleep wherever you can because it always sort of continually fills up. Yeah. It's not like... It's not an algorithm. It's like a pool, and yeah. you just want to keep refilling it whenever you can. I'm the worst when it comes to it. I'm the worst when it comes to, like, I'm just going to stay up an extra hour. I don't know how. I know, me too. And then the baby gets up in an hour, and I'm like, great, now I'll be up for two more hours, so I'm not going to bed. So. Uh, this is what I always do. I'll set, like, an arbitrary time limit for myself. It's like, all right, well, it's 11 o'clock. I'm going to go to bed at midnight. And then I looked out at my clock, and it's, like, 12.03. I'm like, oh, I missed it. <laughs> I, feel, I better, pick, better I try like to get a night, one. It's when your mind starts to settle, though. That's when you're finally like, all right, I'm going to relax. I have my time now. <laughs> all right, so before we get into this week's stories, a couple quick announcements. Uh, I'm going to keep hitting it every week until it happens. Uh, April 29th, second annual Utica Day at MVCC, the Jorgensen Center. Uh, it's going to be a great event. It's going to be from 6 p.m. till whenever we are done. We have a wonderful panel. We have great uh, vendors and local businesses coming in. Um, I had a great time there last week. Uh, last year, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had a great time with the panel, but more than that, I had a great time actually getting to see all these wonderful local vendors doing their thing. Um, I don't feel like I'm just being a show for the company when I say it is really, really cool and inspiring to see all these I know people... They're... I was a vendor there last That's year. That's right, you were there. And last it was year. awesome. The mm. traffic was nonstop. Like I talked to people, I was I was exhausted from it, but it was awesome. I yeah. couldn't believe how many people were there. That was shocking last year. I could yeah, not believe was, the kind of. I was like, oh, it's probably you know, it's gonna be all right. I had no idea that we were gonna see that many people. Mm. That's the thing that seems to always happen. Every single thing we do is more successful than we ever could have imagined yeah. that it would have been. Like we're always sort of caught off guard by how successful stuff is. No, especially the Franklin Square thing. Mm. That was awesome. That was unbelievable. Well, and the key to this, though, by the way, and I don't mean to sound like I'm harping on it, the the reason these events work, Franklin Square and Utica Day, is that people actually come out and support them. So if you want more cool events like this to happen, got to continue to come out and support them every year. It's not a one-year thing. You know, people... People's lives continue from year to year. Absolutely. We're still promoting the same people, still promoting new people, and, uh, new events. It's going to be great all the time. Speaking of Franklin, uh, Franklin Square Film Festival, uh, all right, so I reached out to the big bosses of Made in Utica because I'm very excited for this. It's one of my favorite events of the year. I already know what the five movies are for the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I talk... I. Me too. Yeah. I know. Uh, so I was, uh, I wanted to talk about them a little bit and discuss them. So I reached out to the bosses at Made in Utica, reached out to Mr. Parkinson and he said predictably, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, say what you want, talk about whatever you want. You should definitely check with Katie. So I checked with Katie and Katie told me that I'm not allowed to give any details at all about what the films are. So yeah, I'm that glad, makes a lot more sense. glad I made sense with Katie, check with Katie. So I cannot tell you which films are going to be in the series. I can tell you which films won't be in the series. Uh, the three that I pitched, which were Gremlins, Goonies, and Godzilla vs. King Kong. So, thanks for nothing, guys, not taking any of my picks into account. Gremlins would have been awesome. I've been pitching Gremlins for so many film festivals for any event, and nobody else likes it besides me. I don't know. Uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla was a pipe dream. I knew that was so never I happening. I my babysitters. Yeah. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, last year, we did get to film some stuff with our good friend, uh, former GFOP, who's on the show, well, still a GFOP, former guest of the podcast, Tom Knudsen. We ran into him at former host of the show, Aaron Higgins' birthday party this weekend, and he is also very excited for the Franklin uh, Franklin Square film series, uh, which means maybe you can look forward to some new... Some uh, new trailers? Some new bootleg trailers, some new content. He seemed very excited. I was very excited. That's as far as I'm allowed. If, and if no one watches those trailers, you have to. They're hysterical. The Jurassic Park one was just awesome. The Jurassic Park one that might have been my career opus. It was opus. a lot of fun. That was awesome. It might have been my career opus. All right, so 
We put off this story for a few a uh, few weeks. Uh, one because it seemed like a bigger topic than I wanted to get into at the end of a segment, and two because the last few weeks have been a little crazy with all sorts of stuff going on, flu gate, all that kind of thing. Uh, but one of the topics I really have been fascinated lately with is artificial intelligence. Okay, and this is like a hot topic in all the futurology, you know, Reddit, Twitter boards, and all that kind of thing like that. So. Uh, so earlier this uh, this month, there was an interview conducted on one of my go-to sites uh, with Yuval Harari. Uh, Yuval Harari is an Israeli historian. He is a, a history professor at the Hebrew School of Jerusalem, uh, and he writes in his new book, Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow, about what's coming next for humanity and the threat of our intelligence and the creative uh, capacity uh, posed for our future through artificial intelligence. That's a lot. So I'm going to get, this is all kind of broad, so I want to get into some broad stuff. Um, so in this interview, basically the first starting point, uh, this interviewer asked Mr. Harari if he thinks that in 200 to 300 years, human beings will still be the dominant actors on our planet, right? Uh, and Mr. Harari said, quote, absolutely not. If you asked me in 50 years, it would be a difficult question, but 300 years, it's a very easy question. In 300 years, homo sapiens will not be the dominant form of life on earth if we exist at all. Uh, given the current pace of technological development, it is possible we destroy ourselves in some ecological or nuclear calamity. Uh, the more likely possibility is that we use bioengineering and machine learning and artificial intelligence either to upgrade ourselves into a totally different kind of being or to create a totally different kind of being that will take over for us. Uh, first off, does any of this sound particularly scary to you? 300 years from now? No. Nothing no. sounds scary no. 300 years from now. So I'm not going to be here. What the hell do I care? <laughs> I, I think just the idea of thinking that we won't be here still sounds scary, especially with everything that's going on politically mm-hmm. and the worries that everybody has, and then hearing something like that, it mm-hmm. kind of makes sense why he would think that mm-hmm. way. I, I just, I wonder, it's hard to think about 300 years, and it's a good point, like 300 years <coughs> in the future, <coughs> what am I going to get, what do I care, like 300 years in the future? Uh, I think 50 is an interesting question. Um, I think we, I think that people who think we'll be gone in 50 years, and I, I'm into like conspiracy theory and end of the world fiction and all that kind of stuff, dystopian future. I think that in 50 years we'll still be around and it'll probably be not that much different. I know. I think there will be more robot, ro- like robots doing things, like mechanical stuff, taking over people's jobs, and we'll be transitioned to other. Now, that's a fair point. And a lot of what, so. you know, a lot of artificial intelligence is going to come into the concept of automation, which I think that is real. Like, we are going to come into a problem, I think, at yeah. least in my opinion, about, you know, losing jobs and rising population. That's a real concern for me. Um, I right. That's what I see happening in 50 years. Mm. Kev, does any of this touch you in any way? Anything? What do you mean? I don't know. I find this kind of thing fascinating, but like. You know, I, I'm going to also see to a certain point how it's kind of pointless as a conversation to have. Like, I do think it's important to have conversations about 300 years in the future, even if we're not really going to be here to see it, right? Should we be thinking about the future in this context? Uh, I mean, we should always be thinking about the future and trying to, you know, leave mm-hmm. a world for the people who come past us to, you know, inhabit and inherit in whichever way we do it. I mean, yeah, it's it, it goes without saying that if we continue the way that we're going, we're going to at some point meld with the machines. Mm. I mean, we already really have in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way that people use their cell phones, you know what I mean? The only thing stopping it is implanting it. You look at stuff like Google Glass, that's one more step. After that, all it is is a step is putting a chip in your body, and then you start getting into a conversation about what does it actually mean to be human and to be conscious and where do you draw that line? Hmm. And I think you're going to see a lot of people adopting chips in their body and shit like that a lot sooner and a lot more readily Hmm. because it seems scary, but when it comes out 
and there's a commercial with a jaunty little indie pop tune, sure. and everybody's doing it, and Apple puts it out. Yeah. Mm. These people be lining up around the block to get a chip. Well, we're, my household's one of those people. Yeah, we absolutely. have an Alexa upstairs mm. and downstairs. So every morning when I have the baby, I'm like, Alexa, turn on the living room light. Yeah. The living room light comes on. Mm. Alexa, turn up the turn off the baby's room light upstairs. Mm-hmm. Alexa, turn on the radio. To let, you know, whatever mm-hmm. Alexa will do it. Turn up the heat. <laughs> well, that's and that's part of it. Like, I talk a lot about like being on the right side of history. That's like one of my favorite phrases from the last few months. Like, which side of history do you want to be on? Part of me thinks it's important, and maybe we should just kind of lean into it, right? Like, if this is where the future is coming, maybe it's not the worst idea to start heading that direction. That, can I go <coughs> out there? With Absolutely, it? I love but it. But do you think that if we do go that route, that people will care? Not well, people won't care about the people who are less fortunate. Because all machines that can take over and do things, and I think the care of people, I think that's why it says people won't exist as much, because they'll have machines that can take over and do the jobs that we pay low-income mm-hmm. people to do. Do you know what that's I mean? That's not fair. And I that's think fair. that, I think when they say, well, human existence, yeah, because we'll start flushing people out, because we'll just be re- mm-hmm. replacing, replacing what they can do with machines. And I think that's maybe the lot kind of where he was going with that, mm-hmm. and why people won't be because machines will be taking over so much that they might overpopulate. Well, one of the interesting arguments that he makes about this is when we talk about artificial intelligence, we're not talking about artificial emotion, right? Like, intelligence is not a conscious decision. This is actually a quote from him, which is very fascinating. Uh, Intelligence is not consciousness. Intelligence is the ability to solve problems. Consciousness is the ability to feel things. So in humans and animals in general, those two things go together. Like, we solve problems by feeling things, and our emotions and our sensations are really, like, a part of why we solve problems in our lives. But it's not the way it works for computers, right? Computers don't have emotions. They solve problems because problems exist. They're programmed to solve problems. So what they may find yourselves in, or at least what, um, at least what Dr. Harari says, is you may find yourself in a world with non-conscious superintelligence, right? And the big question is, what does a world of non-conscious superintelligence look like? Right, like, what does it look like with a world where everything is smart but doesn't have any feelings? Right? That's kind of, that's scarier to me, right? That, that's like, that gets real dark and sky It's like you're going quickly. to the store, you're going anywhere, and everything's just computerized. And you're just <laughs> like, hey, no, not saying hi. It's like, I, I think, think the thing that, that we need to be very careful about is we're getting to, we're going to get to a point of over-reliance on this technology and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and it takes a lot less than anybody wants to really think about for the whole like ass end to fall out of the grid and for none of the electronics exactly. to work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if there's if there's, point. if there's a, a solar point. flare that pushes out of the sun right now and bursts an electromagnetic pulse on a part of the earth, which happens all the time, mm-hmm. has been happening all throughout our history. Look up the Carrington event in the eighteen fifties. It's gonna wipe out all the electronics that we have that are out there. We're gonna to have to rebuild the entire grid, rebuild mm-hmm. everything. Every single thing that works with electronics will not work. You will not have you know, car or cell phone, you will not have water, you will not have heat, anything like that. The further and further we go and lean on electronics and remove ourselves from the natural world, the more and more we're putting ourselves in a bad position if something ever happens. Mm. And we're very quickly getting to a point where people are going to forget how to do things for themselves, and that'll be fine as long as everything always stays good and exactly the way it is right now. But well, look what happens if Hulu stops working on someone's television. Or like everyone loses their mind. If I lose the internet, I can't watch TV. I can't use Alexa. Oh, I yeah. can't turn up the heat. I can't view the baby mm-hmm. monitor. I can't do anything. Well, it's, so very, it's, it's very human to get accustomed to the things we yeah. have very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like one of, the, one of the worst human traits is we get very, very entitled to the things we've had even if we've only had them for a very short amount of time. And it's right? a dangerous place to get to because yeah. it's not even so Absolutely. much our, our generation but you look at you know the children now like you look at someone oh, yeah. like your son 
people raised with all this stuff who are never going to know the world pre any of that technology, if something happens to that technology, if something happens to the electric grid and all that stuff gets taken away, those people are, are screwed. That's that's the end of the world for them. That's when they start getting killed for their food and that's water. That's funny you say and that because we were like, we should get a record player and have him see all this yeah. stuff and a tape player and all this so he can like understand like what you know mm-hmm. things like that. But you know what's funny though because I try and like I try and talk about that with like the students right that I work with and they they're not interested in the stuff from the past like they do not care right like mm-hmm. anything that's older than a certain level isn't really interesting. It's not fascinating the way that like we look at a record player like oh it's crazy that like you mean and we only look at it that way now because it's cool to look at it that. Way now. Right. Ten years ago, we didn't give a shit about record yeah, players. It's true, but even a CD player, I'm not. I don't care about CD like a CD player, right? But I am sort of fascinated by how it works, right? Yeah. Even now, to well, like that's kind of how extent, we feel when right? we go on a Nintendo or something too. I, st- like, I still yeah, don't know how like, it works. So, you know like, what I mean? It's it's just neat. Go I'm, back an, I'm an old soul in that way. Uh, that was good. Let's let's move on from artificial intelligence and let's get into something uh, like actual intelligence, huh? Fostering actual knowledge. Uh, let's talk about New York State. New York State today uh, okayed tuition-free college <coughs> for the middle class. I feel like this is something they've been talking about for a really long time. It's been a big, hot topic of debate. Uh, New York becomes the first state in the nation to make tuition-free for middle-class students at both two- and four-year public colleges. Uh, Heather, I know the question for you is obviously, are they paying you back your loans for the college that you paid for? No. I, I assume still, they're probably not. No. <laughs> you either. No. I'm no, still, no, I'm, I'm sure they will not. i pay them for the rest of my life, I think. Hmm. So the idea here is that tuition will be free for residents who earn up to a specific income cap, which will be phased in over the first three years. Uh, families who earn no more than $100,000 a year, uh, then it will go up to one hundred and ten, dollars and then uh, 125000 in 2015, right? You still have to pay for your fees and room and board, which is pretty much what you do now with loans, except, you know what I mean, like, I, I paid for all that out of my pocket, and the loans are just for paying for school. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, this is kind of a big deal. Like, if, you know, especially, there's been a lot of articles going around, like, the difference between people who go to college now and people who don't, in terms of what they make in income, has dropped. Like, the the amount of money you can make just for having a degree is not in big, as big of a ratio as it used to be, right? <laughs> um... Do you think this will be? I, I don't know where to start here. What are your thoughts about this? Like, I, I guess this is a good thing from a blue, from like a standard. Like, I like education. I want kids to go to college. This is a good thing, right? Yeah. I do feel somewhat slighted for all the people who've already paid for college. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, but moving forward, it's still. I don't. I don't I, find much wrong with it. Regardless, I think it's. A I've good seen. Thing. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say that, man, and I, I hate it. I when people are like, oh, well, I had to pay. Okay, so because things were mm-hmm. one way for you, nothing should ever get better again because, God forbid, somebody gets something Yeah, right. I couldn't finish school. Because you're that much of a crybaby. You know what I mean? Like, you look at different people. There's so many people who have had to stop going to school, who haven't been able to even start going to school because they couldn't get the loans together. They couldn't get the money mm-hmm. right. And if you're going to give more people an opportunity to education and you want to look me in the face and tell me that's a bad thing, I think you're mm. an idiot. Mm. And people are like, oh, well, how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? You're already paying for the lack of education mm. in the system. It's more about allocating the funds in a different direction and, and it, spending money more efficiently. Absolutely. And I also see it as a parent, too. We we fall into that bracket mm-hmm. in the future. And would it, I would love to be able to give Kaz the opportunity to go to a college in New York State and mm-hmm. and have him have that. And yeah. That's awesome for me, and I know that we work hard to make sure he gets through school and everything. Yeah. But still, I don't know. I, I see a lot of hate on. Oh, we're gonna pay for it in our taxes, and we're gonna do this. Well, and I are, go, well, that's what we're here to do. Well, like that's the and that's the same people you always say who like every like they don't want. And there's so many people who get so upset if they think that somebody else is getting. 
something that they perceive that they're not getting. And it's such a selfish crybaby mentality. It, it grosses me out. And I hate seeing people mm-hmm. with that stuff like, oh, well, I didn't get it, so nobody should get it. Well, aren't, shouldn't we be striving to be getting better? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what, what if what if people had said, you know, 100 years ago, oh, well, growing up, my house didn't have electricity, so we shouldn't put electricity in houses. Like, that's a really yeah. simple yeah. analogy, but you know what I mean. If, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 please. And, I, and hopefully it will be regulated, though, too. So if, if kids are going to college and they're graduating or they're succeeding, then this is something that will be good. And I think that would be nice because people who are upset can see mm-hmm. the facts. This ties into what I was talking about, though, right? Like, if you're getting mad about this, right, it means that you're not thinking about this in terms of what it will do for the future. Now, right, you can sit here and complain about Cuomo or complain about New York State and say this will never work. And who's who's to say that this will be a success, right? I, this is just announced today. Mm-hmm. From a from an existential standpoint, though, this is this is a bill for the future, not a bill for today, right? Mm-hmm. And that inherently, in my mind, is a good thing, at least to a certain extent, right? So. That's just where I'm going to go on that. Uh, and let's let's talk about the most overblown news of the week, and we can uh, we can get a good laugh about it. So Pepsi uh, Pepsi pulled an ad this week they released featuring Kendall Jenner uh, for being insensitive to the Black Lives Matter movement uh, or the protest movement or people that offended. I think that uh, SNL did a really good joke about this. I can see where this probably started off as something that someone made and really earnestly thought was going to be like a nice message, and I think it probably got like ripped apart and taken out of context and that's where we are today. I think everybody's blowing everything up that they can and nitpicking at everything because I saw it after I, yeah. I read everything I'm like oh this has to be terrible I can't imagine what they did and then I watched it and I'm like I don't I don't get it I don't well, that's I don't, the, I don't understand. I, I haven't seen anybody actually like truly angry about it I've seen I've seen people joking about it like mm. it's one of those things where people are like oh people are outraged I don't think anybody is outraged I haven't seen anybody actually be outraged I've seen people make a lot of jokes about it but like it's one of those things where you just you look at it because like when I watched the ad after I heard about it, I looked at it. I'm like, is there? There's really nobody in your company to be like, hey guys, this is not mm. this is not what we should, this is not good. We should not be doing this. Like, how do you have nobody who works for you to raise the point? Like, hey, look, this isn't really gonna fly. This is very right. tone deaf for the times mm. we live in. Like, it's just for all the people that you employ, Pepsi, and all the money you make, you don't have one person confident enough to be like, hey, maybe we should go in a little bit of a different direction here. We're just a soda company. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to touch, you know, protests and police marches and different... Why even bother? Why does that need to even work in your marketing campaign? You know well, what I mean? Get, I get see, a polar bear. But no, I see, their, I see why they did that, though. Why they use Pepsi. They're just saying, like... Just uniting everybody, mm. and we're all the same. Have well, a Pepsi. <laughs> they're trying to establish themselves as the woke soda brand, right? They're very woke to the troubles and, and times that we live always in. Always done. Right? Coca-Cola's always done it with the Earth, and the, you know, coming together. Every time there's an event, these soda companies come out and mm. do something. I would never say anything bad about my my wonderful friends at the Coca-Cola company. They're they're great. Their products are great. I love Coke and Cola products. The best. Pepsi, the worst. Sad. Sad. Drink soda, so. uh, I know, it's terrible for I gotta quit that. Um, Alright, let's get to this week's interview. Uh, with a longtime friend, actually. Uh, Matt LaMeo. I know Matt LaMeo going back, jeez, middle school, high school. I know his family, I know his brothers. I know he is a, a phenomenal musician. He's immensely talented, uh, and he has a fascinating, fascinating story. He will be our featured musician uh, at the second annual Utica Day. He'll be performing. Uh, that is... April 29th at 6 p.m. from the Jorgensen Center at MVCC. Uh, but for now, uh, enjoy my conversation with very good friend, GFOP, Matt LaMeo.
come in and I have to look up everything right from scratch, right? Like, I don't know anything about these people. Yeah. And that's always actually kind of fun because it's like a mystery. Sometimes you're just like, oh, what am I going to learn? And then sometimes you know people a little bit and sometimes you know them a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And when you know somebody a lot, that's actually harder. Like, you know somebody really well, it's like, how many things? Oh, so you can get pickup noise in the background. When you know somebody really well, um, it becomes like, what? How do I make this conversation seem... <laughs> like I'm not just talking to my buddy, right? Yeah. Like, what, what's, how are we getting to a point here? Um, you actually, I think you fall somewhere in the middle because I've known you for a long time, right? But yeah. I don't know if we ever really like hung around as much as I remember. I'm trying to think though because I've been putting some stuff back in early, my mind. Uh, early, yeah, yeah, early right. years. Let me ask bit. you this one: when, because I feel like you are younger than me, a couple yeah. years younger than me, yeah. So I was probably closer to your brother, Adam, in age, yep. right? Did he ever drag you to the terrible band that we talked about starting with me and him and Josiah Dewey and Anthony Munns? <sighs> it was one of the weirdest... I don't it was, remember. It, I don't think... He probably didn't. I don't then. remember. It was one of the weirdest musical experiences of uh, of my life, let's say. Yeah. Because, because what's fascinating to me, and we're going to get into uh, your music stuff in a minute, is uh, you tend to, You're a blues guy, for the most part, it seems like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I don't know if your brother is also like a considers himself a blues type guy as well. Um but the style of music that he wanted to play was very different from what I wanted to play <laughs> back then. It was very yeah. strange. Uh but you were all you he was always very talented and you guys were always very musically talented. But before let's get let's let's hold back. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Uh Matt LeMayo, it is a pleasure to have you in studio. Uh we go way back. Uh but for people who don't know you and don't go way back Let's uh let's get a little bit to know about you. Where are you initially from? Where were you born? I was born, I guess, in New Hartford because that's where St. Luke's is. Yeah, St. Luke's guy. So you you associate with Utica then as your home person. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I'm Utican. Uh, always lived in the city growing mm. up. Went to Donovan, Proctor, mm. MV. So you went to Donovan and Proctor and MV. Oh, and that's I the went trifecta. To, I went to UC to get mm. my master's degree mm. later on. Yeah, so. so let me ask you I this. Uh, I, I mentioned your brother a little bit, but I don't know, and I, I could be wrong. Do you have other siblings besides? I got a little brother as well. A little brother yeah. as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're obviously, okay. your parents still together, so close family. Yeah. 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 Is that important to you? Like, I know that you've played a lot with your brother in the past, but like, how close are you in terms of like family? Is that like a big part of your life still or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sure. You know, being back home in this area. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. What kind of son would you be if you were <laughs> talking to him, you know, checking in, coming over once in a while? <laughs> once in a while, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, uh, one of the things, when, when I left for New York, uh, one of the things I appreciated about New York was it was just far enough away where it's like, it's far enough away where you're not going to stop over my house <laughs> all the time, but if I need something or if i got to go back, it's not that far away, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, Donovan, Proctor, MV. Uh, we talk a lot uh, about people, uh, to people on the show about places they grew up and schools they went to. Donovan in particular, I went to Donovan as well. What was your, uh, what was Donovan like for you growing up? Did you like Donovan? A lot of, Donovan kind of gets a bad rap as like a troublemaker school these days, and I think it's kind of poorly, I think it's poorly deserved. Uh, but I don't remember having that when we went there initially. Well, you know, I am employed by Utica City Well, school. so am I, that's okay. I'm not uh, gonna, I'm not gonna. But, um, uh... I think, you know, I think a lot of the, the problems that are symptomatic of uh, some of the poverty yeah. and drug addiction and mm. uh, yeah. uh, the cyclical nature of 
such things mm. are uh, strong in West Utica. Well, I think that's strong in yeah. a lot of places too. That's gonna, you're gonna have some of that everywhere. I think. Yeah, at all of course. Time for of sure. Course. You know what I mean? Um, and I think Donovan is a very interesting school because it has. The South Utica kids who yeah. like might as well be in New Hartford. Yes, it's true. And then they have <laughs> it's a great uh, mix. Uh, oh, West Utica, and, you know some of South Utica around where we are. Yeah, where yeah. It's A little bit different than Jones School area. Jones. But I, you know, I went to Donovan, and it was like it was real life. You know, it was like a lot of different people. The diversity that's that's inevitable in Utica going to school. I don't want to hammer on the point because we've yeah. talked about it many times on the show before, mm-hmm. but like I think schools like Donovan and schools like Proctor uh, prepare you more accurately for life outside of the hometown bubble once you sort of see what the real world is like. It gives you a better uh, understanding of what like a large metropolis city or like a more diverse city actually looks like. It makes you more comfortable dealing with them. And I've said that for years about Utica City Schools. I think so, and I'll, I'll even go a step further mm. and say... Go walk in the halls of Proctor or Donovan, you're gonna find a greater diversity of people mm. in close proximity and yeah. within the same walls. Yeah, that I don't think you'll find elsewhere in you. That's fair. That's really. a fair point. I loved walking through Proctor when I was I was at Proctor earlier in uh, maybe last year, and I, I loved it. And then maybe that's just because I went to Proctor and I have like this like strong, like this strong like heartbeat for yeah. it still. Do you know what I mean? Um, so what was your life like in Proctor? I talked a lot about this with people in the past. Like, what, what would you say was your... Were you a jock kid? Were you a musician kid? Were you an emo kid? What was your What was your genre, if you will? Well, I was a musician kid. Mm-hmm. That was, well, that was like my side thing. And I was always doing that with guys way older than me. Yeah, that's true. So it was kind of almost like, you know, if Johnny goes, he works at the filling station after school. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like that. It was something I did. It did make me different. Mm. But, you know, I, was, I wasn't a jock at all. I didn't play any sport. But, I, you know, I had friends on the baseball team and stuff. Mm. By the way, those guys, class of 2007, are, uh, they're getting inducted into the Utica Sports Hall. Really? Game, I think it is. Yeah. In May, uh, state baseball champs. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going to try and bring the whole team in and interview the whole team. Yeah. Reminisce the year. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell, yeah. A I lot feel... of my good friends were on that baseball team. And, uh, you know, I was friends with them and stuff, but I still, like, was a blues, working blues musician. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun. Blues is an interesting concept. Because you even, even when I knew you back then, uh, you were sort of playing blues and playing, like, harmonica, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. You were doing your thing uh, back probably then. Probably as long as I've known you. Yeah, I was going to say, so... That's, in a weird way, in a way that, all right, so this is going to be a weird relationship and you're going to, you might scoff at it for a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, I grew up and I feel like what I consider like punk rock, although a lot of people wouldn't call it punk rock in Mm -hmm. hindsight, it's like pop punk, right? But Mm -hmm. that was a very kind of niche type of thing, right? I was in a band and I played music, but I didn't feel connected to a lot of other musicians like the metal dudes or like other guys at that because we were playing some sort of thing that we felt particularly strong about, but I don't think a lot of people did. Did you ever feel like blues sort of put you in an interesting space as a musician as opposed to another type, like playing just rock music or playing other things? Well, definitely. It gives you a feeling of almost being out of time because mm. everyone you play with would say, man, in the 80s or the 90s, it was so crazy and so busy and mm. we were making so much money and all this. And uh, you're kind of there thinking, well, I'm here I am my age. You know, I'm mm. hoping to do that. 
through my career. Mm. But, uh, you know, you wonder if it's uh, kind of dying out is the phrase people use. But, you know, Sam, uh, it isn't. Well, that, it isn't. That's, and that's, that's something I've learned going around the country. And it, it's really cl- clear in social media and everything. When you see all the people around the world who are into this blues thing, people my age and younger and a little older than me, no, it's... No, let me, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. so because you would absolutely certainly know better than me, and I, again, I consider myself a musician. Like, mm-hmm. I, I grew up and I played saxophone and, you know, guitar and bass and all that, kind of, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know what you would consider... Like, what makes something the blues? Like, what is the defining quality of blues music? Because I don't know how to pinpoint it when I think about the blues as opposed to, like, R&B or folk or whatever. Like, I can't... What makes that transition? A feeling mm. really is the best answer you can give. Mm. It is a matter of form mm. and musical composition. Certain chords or you know chord changes, mm. you're not going to just hear in the blues. But every blues isn't just a one, four, five right. uh, blues shuffle either. Sure. You know, sure, sure, sure. There's all kind of variations. And to be frank, it's something that uh, that line has been very uh, much a lightning rod mm. in in blues fans and 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 music mm. fans. Interesting. You know where is the line? There's a great artist from Kansas City, Samantha Fish, mm-hmm. who plays. She plays really down home slide guitar, Delta blues sometimes. Mm. Uh, She's a terrific guitarist. And she does, like, uh, Black Sabbath, War Pigs. Yeah. Sometimes in her show. <laughs> and there's people in the blues crowd that are like, ah, oh, this isn't blues, this is rock, she's crossing over, mm. we don't like it. And, uh, well, then you go back and you say, well, Black Sabbath is heavy metal, right? It's true, metal. But they were just a blues band. All the bands back in the late 60s and 70s were really playing blues in a different way, maybe a heavier way. So then the question comes all the way around to, well, is Black Sabbath not blues? And uh, I, I'd take a little more expansive view. So would you consider... Some, I'm like, not an arch-conservative about it, but so it's about, always debated. What about like Led Zeppelin, right? Because Led Zeppelin is an interesting band because a lot of people will say Led Zeppelin's one of the first, like, hard rock bands, but I think if you listen to certain... There's parts of the catalog that do, do have sort of almost bluesy... Like tones to it, almost well, like a southern vibe. Well, they definitely had a virtuoso musicianship and mm. approach to playing the blues that made it into something else. Mm. But literally, mm. the first two Led Zeppelin albums yeah. are all blues covers. Mm. Just about, you know, a couple couple odd mm. exceptions. But that's that's pretty much what it was. So, you know, then again. You know, we got a great proliferation of uh, podcasts, satellite radio. Yeah, sure. Do they just play a uh, track from Led Zeppelin 1 on the blues station? No, they don't. Mm. But they might play a cover sure. by someone known to be in the blues <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah, right. So, like I say, it's uh, it's very hard to delineate where blues begins mm. and ends. I guess that's really in any genre of music when you really mm. look at it. Mm. People say today, oh, this country music isn't country. Mm. Well, maybe it's what country music is today. You could get me to talk uh, 
I'll run way over talking about No, that. no, I love it. It's great. I can talk about music forever. Uh, speaking of which, you're going to be performing. You are the featured performer at the second annual Utica Day that's taking place Saturday, April 29th, 6 p.m., as I cheaply prog- uh, plug the company who I also work for. Uh, but I'm actually really looking forward to hearing you, and um, I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to do it. I think people will really enjoy it. Uh, last year, we had a great band who came in, but it was, like a, it was very big. It was a big loud kind of sound. I think mm-hmm. it sort of threw people off. And I'm very much looking forward to see what you're going to do. Uh, would you have an idea what kind of thing you're going to set up? Or Yeah, I do. Uh, my friend Brian Mulkern is going to play that very one nice. with me. And uh, in my band, I do a lot of uh, Memphis blues, mm-hmm. Chicago blues, um, and more electric blues. Yeah. You know, uh, Brian uh, has been a real student of the pre-war blues mm. and fingerstyle guitar playing. Oh, okay. And uh, I've also got this uh, thing with blues and country from the 30s, mm-hmm. and 20s, and early times like that. And so it'll be a show more explore some of that. Mm. A lot of songs are like 80 years old. Nice. But you'll hear some lyrics that are so dirty. It's like, <laughs> man. <laughs> now, uh, let, me ask you, let me ask you this. Um, harmonica. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting choice. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people, and I, I'm, maybe I'm extrapolating here, like don't take harmonica as seriously as an instrument as it is. Like there's a lot of nuance to playing harmonica correctly and playing it and making it do what you want. And it's not like you're some, you know, when I was a little kid, I bought like a five dollar harmonica from the Enchanted Forest Store and thought I learned how to play harmonica. That's not exactly what you do. You're an excellent harmonica player. Do you ever, like, have you ever had people, like, not take it seriously as an instrument? I'm curious. Mm. Not so much, because what the settings I'm in, when I right. play the of thing, course. they hear sure. it, and they say, wow, that's... Well, because so, you're amazing at so, it. Yeah, you're, you're a wonderful um, player, so... I just mean, like, the late, like when you say to people, like, a random person, like, I'm a harmonica player, what's their first, like, general, like, response to that, like... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just curious. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious. But, you know, I will say, you know, kind of the other side of the coin, mm. I'm so proud to say, because like, I played in a, on Beale Street in Memphis, oh, yeah. and I know how, you, mm. and I went to Austin, Texas, I had, a, yeah, yeah. I picked up a gig the next day. Mm. So I know I could go and work. So, you know, it ain't much of a living, but... I'm proud to say I'm one of the people that I could take the, these harmonicas and go to a, a variety of places and probably make a little oh, money and get by. Absolutely, for sure. Playing this little thing. <laughs> so it's really cool. So yeah. you you said, you mentioned Memphis a little bit. Now you mm-hmm. said you went to UC and got a degree at UC after mm-hmm. you went to MB. What, did you, what was your degree in, if you don't mind me asking? Education. Uh, you 7 through 12, obviously, then, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. I'm in sort of following this. and We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that off yeah, the air yeah. if you want. But uh, did you spent time in Memphis as well, yes? Yeah. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, an aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. much beloved, who uh, reside just outside of Memphis in South Haven, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And I went down and stayed with them until I could get my own place. And I started playing on Beale Street in Memphis. Wonderful. And, uh, it must have been just a, yeah. like a culture shock for a little bit. Like It must have been overwhelming. So all this like stimulation for somebody like you down there. I mean, like... Like, yeah. Memphis is, like, the home of the blues, man. At least it's what I've been led to believe uh-huh. as a guy who doesn't, you know, doesn't listen to the blues that much. <laughs> yeah, well, down south, it's uh, it's different food. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of things that are very delicious mm. that you can't get here. Uh, it's uh, people 
of a different uh, character mm. and wonderful people and uh, southern hospitality. Oh, yeah. And uh, the way people say hello, passing by, things like that. Mm. They really got us beat, you know, on, on some things. I, and I love the South. Um, where I was playing, it was... Uh, <laughs> hard to sum up my feelings about it, but... Uh, now, I was working for yeah. just about for tips. Yeah, for lot. sure, yeah. And that's what a lot of guys do in Nashville and Austin, Texas, and New Orleans, and places like that. Mm. And, um, you know, they know what it is. And I know what it what it is. And I did it for so yeah, long. For, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was a part of what I was doing, mm. you know, on Beale Street. So that's kind of always a part of everything when sure. I think about it. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, I like to ask this to musicians uh, because... I, you know, I played in bands for many years, and I always say that I liked playing with other people because it kind of reins in uh, my my crazy. Like, what it would what I what it would sound like if there wasn't somebody to be like, Sam, stop, don't mm-hmm. don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm always curious, like, if you had total autonomy, right? Like, you have the total autonomy about everything in, in the project. What would be like your ultimate so like your ultimate project? What kind of music would you want to make? Who would you want to make it with? Uh... You know, like I say, I got this uh, act with Brian Mulhern yeah. and some friends mm. I, that I'm doing on the side, doing yeah. the pre-war blues and stuff. And yeah. I enjoy the heck out of that. I like to do more with that. Yeah. But I guess, you know, above all, I just think blues is like barroom music. It's mm. like a grown-up's good time music. And I just love to play blues with a good blues band and just have a hell of a party mm. and have a good show. Yeah. With original music and, you know, some of the mm. old chestnuts threw in, you know, some and uh, just give people a great time with the blues yeah. show and just have better and better shows and better uh, gigs. Well, I won't press that's, that's what I, would, yeah. <laughs> I won't press too much more on the blues. We talked a lot yeah. about music. And uh, just again, folks, that is April 29th. Saturday, April 29th at 6 p.m. Uh, Matt will be our featured musician. I'm very, very much excited to see uh, what you... And what was his name again, the guy you're playing with? Brian Mulcahy. You and Brian are going to uh, do together. I'm very, very excited. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you one last thing about the blues before we move on. Uh-huh. Uh, I think for me, like, uh, I like the, I'm, I'm an introspective guy when it comes to the music that was important to me over my life. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, when did the blues first present itself to you where you were like, oh, what is this form of... Did you have a moment that you think of where the blues, like, first showed up? In your life? Yeah, it was the same time I got a harmonica. Same time? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I got a harmonica by mistake because my father and I both bought a harmonica for my brother. He was interested <laughs> yeah. in playing the harmonica. So I had the extra one. That's funny. And it was just... Um, was you know, it something like- I just I just kept it in my mouth. I kept playing the thing. Then I got... You know, I had a natural talent at it pretty quickly. Was there a particular artist or anything that like sort of like hung with you or anyone you think of in that way? doesn't have to be it's too many of them yeah. and, you know us harmonica players when we sit down like it's there's always a set of harmonica players you must study mm-hmm. and appreciate and revere and it's really i was fortunate enough to access most of them in mm-hmm. an early time yeah yeah so it's hard to say yeah. all right so uh let's let's move into the lightning round questions um I have these the same six questions we've been asking everybody for the last uh, 35, 40, 50 episodes. I don't remember now. A lot of times we've done it with people. So uh, here we are. Let's start off right off the bat. Uh, Matt LeMayo, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Black. Oh, straight black every time. You know, 
everyone. I wish that I could drink my coffee black, but I am a soft man and I don't have a, the <laughs> internal stomach for it. Sometimes I gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. chill it down with a little cream. Sometimes, yeah. I've taken the sugar away. That was my first step. Is there's no more sugar in my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, the cream will be next. I've been that way so long that you know if mm. my order's wrong or something, it's it's it tastes very weird. No, yeah, well, that's true. Uh, it's hard to screw up just black. It's like, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, what was your uh, first automobile? Uh, that would be a uh, 96, 96 or 98 Chevy Lumina sedan. Lumina sedan. Yeah, I want to say somebody just van. had a Lumina. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. It's a good st- car. How long did that one survive? You still got it out there? I didn't look when you came uh, in. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it was like a car my parents <laughs> had me drive. Um. No, it's it's long since long since uh, maybe someone's driving it. I, I'll take it back. I don't know if I see it out there for cheap enough. I might get it. <laughs> you may or may not have taken your Chevy Lumina uh, to see it. But what was your first live music concert? First live music concert. Well, my parents always were taking me to things, and hmm. man, that's hard to really pinpoint. Now, I can tell you, I went to. It was very vital to me going to. Tinies here mm. in Utica and seeing some national blues acts, including one of my great harmonica heroes, mm. Sugar Blue. Sugar Blue. I got to sit in yeah. with him. And that was like, man, that was just mm. so incredible and spurring my blues career. Wonderful. To sit in with him. And Did you get to like talk to him afterwards, hang and stuff? Was he... Was oh, he... yeah. Well, that's a whole story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was... It was a, quite a night well he lost his keys so he was mad about losing his keys (laughs) and my dad would always pester the musicians and i'm thankful he did yeah of course oh my kids play my kids play you gotta hear him Uh, he lost his keys to the van his apartment in chicago everything here he is in utica new york lost his keys jesus christ so his keys get found on the separate and he goes, hey, your kids play, right? Like you like you were saying, oh, they got to sit in. Yeah. So I sit in with this guy. I mean, anybody who's listening or you, Sam, check him out, Sugar Blue. Sugar Blue, I'm right what, there. This guy, he played Miss. He played uh, on Miss You by the yeah. Rolling Stones. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that was him it's on a great the original song. record. Hell yeah. But the man, he's just blazing on the harmonica. Right. Incredible harmonica player. And uh, sitting in with him at that time, that was a big deal to me. That's a, that's a good one. I'm going to look that up. I didn't know he... I love that track. It's one of my favorite tracks, by the way, uh, is Miss You by yeah. the Stones. I love it that. Really I don't know why I wouldn't... It really is a player's song. That's yeah. nuts, man. All right, yeah. so let's move on. Uh, give me one. This is, a, this is a lot of options here. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book, movie, television show, album. It doesn't have to be all of them. You can give me one of any of those. One of any. Yeah, anything you are watching, reading, or listening to. Hmm. Well, I gotta say, I'm. I gotta give a shout out to my mom. She gave me uh, the latest novel from Winston Groom, who wrote Forrest Gump. Winston Groom, yeah. And I, I yeah, had yeah, yeah. read Forrest. I read Gump. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's called El Paso. Yes. Okay. And uh, my a- mother and I both. Yeah. Destroyed these uh, Larry McMurtry books, mm. Lonesome Dove and all of Yeah, those. yeah, okay. We just flew through them, all mm. of them, and they were so great. Huh. So my mom was thinking, oh, maybe you could pick that up from this book. She gave me that. 
And, um, is, is he good? It's, yeah, yeah, it's if, really cool so far. There's a good NPR article about it. It's like, he's the guy... Do you write anything else between Forrest Gump and this? Or is this just like the... I want yeah, to I think on the inside, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. shows yeah. a lot of publications. Um, all right, so I'm going to set the scenario here for you uh, because you did spend some time in Memphis. Uh, and Memphis is also the home of wrestling legend Jerry Lawler. So uh, you are the Southern Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. You are walking down the ring in the Memphis Coliseum toward your opponent. The crowd is chanting your name. Matt, Matt, you're holding your Southern Wrestling Championship belt above <laughs> your head. Uh, what theme song is playing in the background as you make your way to the ring? Mm. Gotta be Hoochie Coochie Man. Hoochie Coochie Man. I mean, that's just like the masculine <laughs> anthem of the blues, pretty much. And I used to always do Hoochie Coochie Man on Beale Street, and I'd say, You didn't know, it's the real Hoochie Coochie Man. I'm the real one, you found it. But I've met Jerry Lawler, he's got a club. You met Jerry Street. Lawler? Yeah. Is he a nice guy? Yeah. That's what I, that's about what I would expect actually. I would almost expect you to say he wasn't. He's kind of a smart ass when you see him on TV. He's a guy who owns a bar on Beale Street. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and besides, uh, besides the blues, uh, besides all your time you spent in Memphis, besides uh, you know obviously your uh, career in education, uh, and besides obviously your skills at the harmonica, give me one other thing that you, Matt Lameo, are passionate about. One other thing. You know, I gotta say, if I did have any money, because you know, musicians well, and teachers don't. We have don't. Money, yeah, we don't make very much. I would give it to uh, causes of animals, really, especially endangered mm. animals. Oh, interesting. Uh, gorillas, yeah, lions, mm. tigers, mm. creatures like that. But they need to be here on Earth. They're they're incredible, and it's it's really troubling to me the prospect of losing them. I would give a dollar to that. Yeah. Before I, anything else, I try and get. I try not to get too cynical on this podcast. Uh, it happens sadly because the news of the world is very cynical. Sadly, yeah. so whenever you just talk about anything, but uh, I sometimes get sad that it seems like people are more concerned about the present now than the future. Like in mm-hmm. mentality, like the whole. I'm talking about like a more of a like a global mentality, right? Like I wish people cared more about preserving things for the future and not just surviving in the present, mm-hmm. right? And that's. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, Matt, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you perform. Uh, Again, that is one more time Saturday, April 29th, 6 p.m. Matt LeMayo, featured performer at Utica Day. It's a real pleasure to see you again. Thank you for coming by on this Saturday morning. I appreciate it. Glad to do it. Pleasure. We'll be back to the show, folks, in just a moment. are in order to uh, Matt LaMeo. I know that when he did his theme song choice, he chose Hoochie Coochie Man, which is an old, uh, like, blues-type song, right? Um, I didn't really have a good version of that anywhere. Certainly. <laughs> uh, so I went with the song uh, Miss You by uh, the Rolling Stones that we had talked about earlier on the podcast. So Matt, sorry, I know it's not the same. But still, Miss You, Rolling Stones. It's a, it's a good track. It's got a harmonica in it, which <laughs> makes sense. He's a, he's a heck of a harmonica player. 
Uh, I tried to ask him about the harmonica, and I don't think he he was understanding my vibes about the question. Because, like, I, I used to have a harmonica as a kid, but I never really thought of it. I couldn't understand it as a serious instrument. He's, like, a serious harmonica player, and he's amazing. I didn't realize there was that much nuance to the harmonica, right? No? Sure. That's not... I, but yeah, harmonica. No, 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 there they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a chromatic instrument, so you just pick it, it's in the key. And, I mean... Yeah. You know, so you can't play a wrong note. Which oh, is cool. I think you can, can't you? Or well, you, you certainly can. Not, no. Yeah. Okay. Not as long as it's in the in the scale and the key that the people are playing, and no, there's no wrong note. Right, but just because there's no wrong note doesn't mean there's not. Like, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, detracting yeah. from it. Certainly, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't saying, understand like, that's it. How yeah. harmon- that's how harmonicas work. That's why they're in different keys. Mm. You can get a harmonica in the key A, C, G, whatever. No. Which makes sense. Mm. When well, when he came to the studio, he had a whole box, right? Like a big oh. a big box with like a bunch of different harmonicas in it, right? Oh. Again, assumably different keys. I had no idea that. Mm-hmm. See? Cool. Learning stuff. I just learned something. Speaking of learning things, it's time for some history lessons, guy. And I gotta tell you, these ones are good this week. These are good ones this you week. You said every week. No, these are really good ones. These are good ones. Are they in order? Uh, yes. Yes, they are. They can be. Um, all right, so uh, on this day uh, in 1953, the first ever 3D film opened in New York City's Paramount Theater. You guys want to take a guess at what it was? It was a horror movie. In what year? 1953. Starring Vincent Price. Oh. It's got to be like a Dracula movie. So yeah, some sort of Dracula-type vibes. Any shot in the dark? I don't know. It's a movie called House of Wax. House of Wax, starring uh, Vincent yes. Price. Yeah, the first three... Actually, not only was it one of the first 3D movies to ever open, it was also one of the first color horror movies. I hate 3D movies. I'm glad they're not doing those as much anymore. Are they not doing them as much anymore? Like I don't see them anymore. They no, don't ever. really advertise. It's like kids' Ever anymore, yeah. I gotta be honest, like, I, I never could get into 3D movies because my eyes are so bad, and I can't tell if it's because... I, well, I can't wear glasses to the movie, so I gotta wear contacts. And something... I don't know if it's just me, maybe it's a placebo effect in my head, but I feel like I can't... My eyes can't focus on the 3D. No, it gives me a headache. I hate yeah. it. I get yeah. panic attacks. Sorry. Really? I do. I yeah. get panic attacks. Yeah. I, can't, I can't wear them. I have to take them off after a while. Yeah, or... I can't. And I'm also, I'm also kind of jealous about people who really seem to be enjoying it. I know. They right? usually put trash movies in 3D, too, though, to be fair. What was the mm. best movie they even heard of that was in 3D? You know what? I'll say this. I did go see a kid's movie in 3D with my niece and nephew, like one of those Despicable Me movies, and that was actually one of the better uses of 3D. Something about the cartoon made it a little bit more palatable <coughs> than like watching like Jaws 3D or yeah. something kind of aggressive. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. That's also my concern about VR. I wonder if my like terrible vision will be no, able to handle fine. it. No, you think so? I tried one. It was it's awesome. completely different. Completely different thing. Okay, so this is a big one. On this day in 1970, uh, Paul McCartney officially announced the breakup of the Beatles, although the Beatles had been broken up uh, long before that. For about three years, they had been infighting. Uh, and also, McCar- uh, John Lennon had already released four solo albums by the time that he had announced that they had broken up on this day. Still, though, uh, there was actually a poll that Google did earlier this week about like what uh, the things that teens and millennials care about. Uh, now, granted, Google conducted the poll, so Google Chrome was very high on the list, which was kind of funny. But they did mention that, like, of music that people, the teens still find relevant, the Beatles is still pretty high on the list. Even when I was in high school, there was always that group of people that loved the Beatles that had, like, Strawberry Fields and all that when their collections I never trust those people. (laughs) I never trust that these people, like, these, like, you see, I mean, you I remember in high school, and you still see them on the You know know what I mean? Like, those, like, they, like... It's a lot of young girls, specifically, because young guys will go for, like, different, like, early, like, metal bands, but it'll all be, like, young girls just trying to prove, like, how artsy and unique they are, because they listen to the Beatles when they're, like, 15. 
remember all those girls and it's like listen the Beatles are great but like settle down yeah. you I know t- what I mean like the Beatles are my life Get, stop, stop. I take the Beatles should not be your life because there's life. not enough in the Beatles to be your life I take a lot of umbrage of people who like jump on the Beatles and think it's a big deal because I actually found the Beatles kind of uh, naturally to a certain extent my stepdad still to this day listens to a lot of Beatles at the house so growing up as a kid like my stepdad would pump Beatles albums through the house all the time so I got like force fed the Beatles and that's kind of why I know way more Beatles songs and Beatles tracks than I care to listen to anymore. I wasn't a Beatles fan. I just, mm. more like Eagles. The Eagles. That made, okay, you strike me a little more Eagles. More Eagles All right, that's fair. Uh, on this day in 1970, same year, a day later, Beatles was on April 10th, this one was on April 11th, uh, the Apollo 13 mission was launched. Uh, two days later, the oxygen tanks exploded and the mission was aborted. Uh, documented, not totally historically accurately, in the film Apollo 13, uh, what a crazy day in 1970, though. Beatles breaking up, moon launch. Quite a week. What a crazy time to be alive. Might be an interesting time for your go back in time question. Like, what's a good time period to go back in time? April 1970. Yeah, for on. sure. I mean, just so I could look at that Apollo 13 thing, I can't think of a better time to go to. <laughs> I'm just thinking of, like, off the top of my head. It seems like an okay time now that I'm thinking. I'm kind of fascinated to see what's going on. It's a busy time in the world. Uh, and on this day in 2005, uh, You'll be very excited about this one, Heather. Uh, Tiger Woods won his fourth Masters. Masters is going on this weekend, so big golf thing. Uh, we were talking about Tiger Woods because of the Masters this weekend. Has there ever been a bet? We talked about it. Has there ever been an athlete or celebrity who's had a greater fall from grace than Tiger Woods? I don't think you can talk about celebrities in there. I think it has to be. The athletes. But t- Tiger Woods is only an interesting question from an athlete perspective. Mm-hmm. Celebrities are a different thing. They do just because athletes are famous doesn't mean they're doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, right. I mean, the guy went from a point where he was dominating the sport. Everybody thought that he was the best. He was going to win everything forever. And then he fell off and, like, never won again, really. Mm. It just kept falling and falling. Yeah. <laughs> it was just worse for him. I can't think of any, if there are. I can make some arguments about, like... I've never seen any, yeah, anyone that's fallen like he has. His thing was a skill thing. Like, he seems like he just dropped off in terms of skill as well. Like, I've seen guys whose public image has fallen off. Like, Barry Bonds was still hitting home runs. His public image just fell off right. really hard, right? Yeah, that's not, yeah, yeah, that's that's not, not the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, he's losing it all. And <laughs> people say, like, people say, like Mike Tyson, but like, Mike Tyson went to jail. So that doesn't Mike count. Mike Tyson went to jail. He's in jail. You can't yeah. box when you're in jail. What Tyson had, or Tiger had, like, marital troubles and then, like, sort of maybe drug sex rehab. And then he just, he always says he's on the way back and he's still golfing, but, like, you don't see much of him. It's all those injuries from playing golf with that juiced-up steroid frame. Mm. Golf wasn't made to be played when you're, like, Mm. built like a, you know, Major League Baseball player, (laughs) I don't think. All right, that's fair. All right, so, yeah. So, yeah, that's our history lessons for today. Uh, Shout-out to Sergio Garcia. Good for you, winning the what, Masters. What did he win? Yeah, he won. It was, I only know that because it was on the, my news thing. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't so, watch it all. Go figure. Sergio well, Garcia. Uh, again, I'm not going to get... a fellow with a name. Great name. Uh, I'll say this about Sergio Garcia. What I know about Sergio is that he was, up until this point, was considered one of those like best golfers to never win a major type guys. Oh, so, good for him. Yeah, yeah so like, good awesome. for him. So that's cool. Um, all right. So last week, you weren't here, Heather, for this. Me and Kevin went on a pretty long rant about Stephen King because the It trailer is coming out. The It trailer for the new It movie is coming out. Uh, did you watch the trailer, by the way? Um, I did. I watched someone. I watched it in bed at like 11 o'clock at night when someone said, don't watch this mm-hmm. before you go to sleep. I, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. It looks awesome to me. I think it looks awesome, too. Yeah. We, we seem to agree. Um, matter of fact, a lot of people seem to agree. The trailer for Stephen King's It uh, managed to break records being streamed 197 million times globally in just 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Beat the previous record for Fate of the Furious. Um, however, 
Uh, a majority of these viewers, you know, happy to, trying happy to see this come back. Uh, some people were not so pleased. Professional clowns, in particular, uh, they are dreading another wave of quote unquote anti-clown paranoia, saying the upcoming blockbuster will only further harm their dwindling industry. Well, uh, their industry's kids, though, so how many people's <laughs> kids are going to be at the theater actually watching this and making... Clowns have had a rough go with this. I, I think kids, people are scared of clowns anyway. They are scary. I don't like clowns. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you're a professional clown for a living, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry for you. Yeah, I'm sorry you can't make a living as a professional clown? Yeah, we'll get a real job. I don't know if the movie's going to affect If you that. want a clown on the I weekend. I think they're already hurting, so that's why they're worried. It's <laughs> uh, so like, oh, I got right. this degree. Their in, union's not doing well. This degree in basket weaving, and I can't find a job. Well, yeah, it's, we're not really weaving too many baskets wanna... anymore. Uh, this this uh, this clown gentleman, uh, Roger Foyas, who performs his various personas, including Ringmaster Roger and <laughs> Humpy Pumpy. Great. Yeah, good. Uh, retold his worries that kids would <coughs> stop booking clowns at birthday parties following the film's release. Uh, he already added that traffic to his Yelp page has plummeted following the trailer's yeah, I release. I don't know if I buy yeah, that. I can't imagine that. The parents don't want a humpy pumpy <laughs> come down name alone. pumping and pumping all of your kids' mm, birthday parties. People even get kids' I don't think anymore. so. Well, I mean, I could never imagine why. Gotta imagine what they're doing out there in the flyover states, though. It's a whole different <laughs> world, these animals. <laughs> when they, they actually did ask Stephen King about this once, and he went off to mention, he's like, it's the same thing as that guy who used to dress up like the bunny rabbit and trace the kids down. Remember that? To which led two people looking that up on the internet. So good job, Stephen King. Have you uh, heard The yeah. Killer Clowns from Outer Space? It's a great movie. It's awesome I like movie. that movie. <laughs> um, here's, an, uh, here's something I've always talked about. You guys hear me talk about, like, if I had the option to, like, go to space, right? Like, I have nothing really holding me like why wouldn't i go sure right so here's so here we go um you going space volunteers wanted to lie in bed for two months they will give you sixteen thousand euros i'm way into that uh <laughs> researchers at france's space medical institute are advertising what could be quite literally a dream job they are seeking volunteers to spend 60 days flatten their back to study the effects of microgravity a state of virtual weightlessness wait can you you can't roll over so they're probably trying things to see how they can get it so people won't get so exactly yeah yeah if i, I can roll over onto my side my back yeah mm-hmm. you want to pay me sixteen thousand euros they're looking for 24 successful candidates, fit and sporty males aged 20 to 45 who do not smoke, have no allergies, and boast maximum body mass index between 22 and 27. I got all of this. This is perfect. You have I'm, almost none of that. None of those things. Uh, we'll undergo a back. <laughs> if you can explain to me how body mass index works, I'll vouch for you with these people. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. I don't have any idea how it works. Um... I don't know, 16,000 euros, I don't know what that translates to into, like, uh, American cash flow, but I feel like it's not enough. So are they testing you, or are they using, like... They're te- you, so they're going to be... They're running you through a series of tests okay. to see if you can, what oh, it's like. I do not want to be a science experiment. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, two months off, hanging out in my bed. Sounds- do I get my bed, or do I have to go into their, like, I trash ass- bed? I would assume that you probably have to go into their crazy space bed, space No, facility. I don't want to be in the trash bed. If it was my own bed... We With the re- TV. really get something going my on. Phone too. All the pillows, all the blankets. <laughs> I I don't like know. Sweet sweet bed real estate. Yeah, it'd have to be yeah, my own. Are they going to have you like a nice place? Because that would be nice. Yeah. What are the rules? I need deal. more. There's not enough yeah, detail. There's not enough detail. In I, spoiler alert: They don't want any of us. <laughs> no, no, they don't want they're anything. Yeah, no. I, I feel like I feel like this. You're, you're right, though. The more I look at it, it's probably like some really like clean, yeah. like sterile room. It's probably yeah, uncomfortable. It's be two months of just in a hospital bed. It's probably like a twin bed with like no like memory foam layer on top of the springs. And you think you're gonna come out after two months, but you're not. 
You're never coming back. You've been watching too many horror movies. I do. I watch a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So, and I want to share with you guys uh, my favorite story of the week. We'll close up with this one this week. I'm very excited (coughs) for it. Okay. Uh, So, this is a story about a Gold Coast man who uh, pulled my favorite crime of all time. Tell them where the Gold Coast is. Uh, That is in Australia, in Queensland. There you go. Okay. Uh, so this is a, an aspiring rapper gorged himself on seafood and alcohol at a, at a Gold Very Coast smart. restaurant and then decided to flee into the surf instead of pay his $621 bill. The so instead of paying his bill, he walked off onto the seaside and, and swam into the ocean. <laughs> Uh, this gentleman, uh, Terry Peck, now normally I don't like giving the names of criminals, uh, but this guy, Terry Peck, <laughs> 33, allegedly devoured two lobsters, 17 oyster shooters, a baby octopus, and several beers before making his getaway. Uh, Peck, who goes by the rapping name, <clears throat> Two Peck, Smart. <laughs> Ran onto this, in the beach and into the surf, and the efforts to conjole him on the beach were unsuccessful. Uh, two police j- jumped onto lifeguard jet skis and arrested him in the ocean. I feel like I would just let him go. Just... The effort that he put into it. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's kind of worth it. Yeah, I don't make it my business to knock other people's hustle. That's amazing. You want to jump in the ocean and try to escape your bill? There's going to be a YouTube video lying around somewhere of this. <laughs> uh, so he was ordered to never return to the restaurant and was told he must reside at his home address until his case can be heard. That's fair. Uh, Peck, however, <laughs> he may not care for another meal. He described the, loister, the, uh, the lobster as, quote-unquote, overcooked. Uh, there were oyster shells in the oyster shooters, and he said they were going to take him off the bill, Said he said. <laughs> so do you think they should be apologizing to me for the shell and the overpriced food. That's that what he said. That just made the whole thing better that you <laughs> get yeah, at the end. The fact that he is, like, obstinate and is like, no, as a matter of fact, I should, I'm the one who's been wronged here. I was just going for a post-meal dip. And it was awful, so I didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the you know the restaurant, of course, said we cook our lobsters perfectly and pride ourselves on catching them perfectly. So it's all hearsay at this point. But this is my favorite story of the week. I feel like <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, look, I've worked in the restaurant industry, so I've never dined or dashed from anywhere. Like I think that's kind of. I don't crummy. think I could ever do no. that. Yeah, it's a really terrible thing to do. Having said that. I feel like the amount of effort this guy put in almost justifies it. Did he put in effort though, or did he just, <laughs> or did he just, or did he just jump into the water? The fact that he just ran out of there and ran right into the ocean, not into a car, not somewhere else. He literally ran out there into the ocean. What's the plan? Now that we're out here in the ocean. <laughs> All right, now I'm swimming. What's next? <laughs> Wait, I just noticed this at the end. Here's a nice kicker. Uh, the court heard that Peck allegedly committed the offenses while on parole after being released from prison earlier in February. Oh. Uh, <laughs> apparently he has a problem with alcohol. Surprise, surprise. Mm. So, Terry Peck, you made the list. Great. Somebody <laughs> sent me the mixtape. <laughs> the mix, Somebody sent me the mixtape. That's an open invitation. Terry Peck ever wants to come on the pod. Yeah, if he wants to yeah, I think that was his way to get famous. If he wants yeah. to be on the pod. This, this is the... This is better press than he'd ever would have gotten any other way. Uh, guy, again, thank you to Matt LeMayo. Uh, check him out. Second annual Utica Day, April 29th, 6 p.m., Jorgerson Center, MVCC. Follow Heather on Twitter at The Topping Tree. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or follow the show at The Uticast. We are also on Facebook, iTunes, SoundCloud, 315 Live. Check out MadeInUtica.com. Uh, that's it. We'll be back 
next week, episode 95. The countdown really starts next week, 95. I have to stop pretending that 100's not five episodes after that. have a celebration for 100. It's true. Big you, par- a big party. How do you feel about being the interloper? You've only been on for so many episodes. 100's pretty close. And you've only been I like it. I'm like, yeah, look at it. I'm going to be on the 100th episode, and I've only been here a couple times. There you go. <laughs> so I'm celebrating. I like it. Folks, we'll see you next week. Thank you.